Welcome everyone to Celtic Preacher Podcast 103 and today we're going to be talking about changes, times of change, times of change that we face in our life. You know, they can be exciting, they can be challenging, or <laughs> some of them are resisted, or change can be embraced. But one thing's for sure, we can't avoid times of change. And uh, Jesus was very much into uh, being a change maker. He, he was never hesitant to confront people or systems about making necessary changes if they wanted to truly understand his way, his life, and begin to follow. And the same is true for, di- for today. You know, following Christ definitely changes us because he's always talking, he's always teaching about inner transformation, and inner trans- transformation is always about change. So we always have this choice in our spiritual lives, you know, shall we continue on or are we going to back out because it's a bit demanding, which it is at certain times, right? Actually, I'm recording this on the 1st of November, but yesterday, the 31st of October, was Reformation Sunday, which might not mean a whole lot to many of you, but 500 years ago, It was, well, let me back up. Have you ever wondered why there are so many different kinds of churches in the Protestant tradition? Have you ever wondered why there's like hundreds of different Methodists and Presbyterians and Lutherans and Baptists? Well, it all began 500 years ago at the Reformation because uh, 500 years ago, Martin Luther, theologian, priest, monk, looked at the church 500 years ago, Germany, and thought, what a mess. The church was so off track. I won't go into all the different ways she was off track, but talk about lost her way. And he was the one, one of the first ones, who addressed the errors of the church. And ultimately, major changes for good came out of what we have come to call the Reformation. However, it's not just churches that can be reformed, right? Anything can be changed for good. Anything can be reformed. Businesses can be reformed or improved. This climate summit in Glasgow, that's all about reformation, isn't it, in a way? Changing our ways as we as we navigate and live on this planet. Marriages can be reformed, partnerships, even how you take care of yourself. You know, you've probably thought to yourself, I've got to change my ways here. I I need to physically do something differently or emotionally or spiritually. So we all know how to make changes in order to make something better. And it will not surprise you that Jesus was a reformer. Actually, now that I think about it, all the prophets in the Hebrew scriptures, all of them, Jeremiah, Elijah, Isaiah, you know, all of them, they were all, they were all reformers. They were all prophets. They would, they would look out at society at that time. They would look out at people, people groups, and they would basically call for change. 
yeah, they were sort of, you know, activists of the day. Only, of course, they're calling people back to God, back to being faithful. And this was Jesus' entire ministry was focused on inner transformational change. And the idea is, New Testament language, if there's a heart change, if somebody really has a change of heart, it motivates everything. It motivates why we do what we do, and then the behavior changes. So it's not so much for Jesus that he targeted bad behavior, whatever you would say that was, right? He would look beyond the bad behavior, and he would look at the heart, because the idea was if the heart changes, everything else follows that. So he was always teaching, many, many of his teachings uh, were about what's truly going on in the inside, because people are very good at pretending to be something they're not. Actually, people are very good at deceiving themselves, right? We call that rationalizing nowadays, but we're very, very good at deceiving ourselves. And in our text this morning, this is from John chapter 8, Gospel, New Testament. John chapter 8, it's interesting. It's a conversation that he has with a, a group of people. And they're people who say they're followers. They say they're interested. They say they're students. But as far as Jesus is concerned, they're not doing a very good job of following. So this is a... We're listening in in a conversation, and it's obviously a tense conversation because he's basically correcting them. Now, remember for Jesus, how we live matters. So if he sees something in someone and it's not matching what he's teaching, he's going to, he's going to call them out on that. So here's the, here's the passage. Just I'm just going to give you a line. To the Jewish believers who believed in him, remember this is a Jewish story. Jesus is Jewish. The disciples, the students are all, everybody's Jewish for the most part. To the Jewish believers who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold on to my teaching, you're my disciples, and the truth will set you free. If you hold on, in other words, you're not holding on to my teaching at all because there's something about you that lacks freedom. Now, sometimes when I read a passage and I'm not very clear about what it means, I have found Eugene Peterson's version of the Bible quite uh, enlightening. You know, there's all these different translations we get all the time when you wonder, you know, what one should I actually, what one's the best one? I don't know if there is a best one, but it seems like every few years someone thinks to themselves, I'm going to go back, I'm going to look at the original languages, and I want to make a clearer version of the, of the Bible so that people can pick it up and read it and not need a whole lot of theological education in order to understand it. So this is what Eugene Peterson did, and he has a nice version out that's really uh, clear. So this is the way he translates this, John 8, verse 31. Jesus says, if you stick with this, living out what I tell you, you're my disciples for sure. If you stick with this, living out what I tell you, 
You're my students for sure, and the truth will set you free. Now, there's something about the way they're living that in spite of what they say, Jesus is saying, I don't buy it. I don't buy this. I don't think that you truly are listening to the teaching because there's something about you. You're not free. You're not free. And his listeners get offended and they say, what do you mean we'll be set free? We're not anybody's slaves. We're descendants of Abraham. We haven't been anybody's slaves. And Jesus replies, yeah, he says, you're a slave. You're a slave to sin. If the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. That's all, that's all I'm going to look at because it gets um, enough to cover. But So again, backing up on this, he's talking to a group of people. They're not seekers. They're not unbelievers. Maybe they're sort of half-hearted followers. They're people who claim to follow him. There's something about their way of living, their way of thinking about God, their way about thinking about themselves, their world that is offensive to Jesus. And he speaks to them and he bluntly, you're a slave to sin, he says, meaning you're dominated by the wrong things. Now that word sin means, in the original language, it means you're way off target. So, can we get way off target in certain areas of our lives? Well, of course, right? Easily. So if our, if our spiritual life, if, if our spiritual lives, if, if it's not helping us grow in compassion for others and for ourselves and God, something's wrong, basically. Something's wrong. And it's very, very easy for us to get off track in any area, actually, and, and get dominated, or using Jesus' language, enslaved by the wrong thing. So when he uses this word enslaved, which is a really strong word, it's like you're being influenced, you're being led by the wrong things. It's like an addiction, right? If you're addicted to something, you, you're dominated by it. You're enslaved to something. Actually, Martin Luther uh, was a great example of, of being enslaved because he was completely addicted to feeling guilty all the time. Yeah, it's amazing. All the time, Martin Luther felt guilty. And, and I know that today there are people that have a lot of struggle with guilt. They're always feeling guilty guilty and you know and it's surprising in some ways because there's others that hardly ever feel guilt at all so I mean it's partly a personality thing it's partly how you were raised I guess but for Luther and then he's a priest at the time you know and uh, he would end up going to his superior monk and confessing like up to 20 times a day I mean it's extreme 20 times a day confessing. It's like his superior at one point, the story is, is that at one point the superior said to him, Martin, just stop confessing. Stop coming here and confessing all the time. Just love and trust God. And Luther apparently said, love and trust God? I hate God. I hate God. It's like, 
why would a priest hate God? Well, because he felt like such an utter failure. He felt so inadequate, unacceptable, lacking, and nothing he did took these feelings away. So, I mean, talk about getting into depression. Actually, he was troubled with depression, but no wonder, you know, if you're enslaved to guilt or you're controlled by it. Jesus would say, you know what? Uh, You're not free. You're not free. If you're carrying around a truckload of guilt, you're not free. If the sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed. So ancient times, Luther was dominated by guilt. That might not be, and that might not be you. You might not be dominated by guilt. Um, He was dominated by, you know, I'm not doing this right. You're not good enough. Your problem might not be feeling guilty. You might be enslaved. Let's use Jesus' words. You might be feel enslaved to other other sorts of things like anxiety. That's a common one, isn't it? It's things that steal your peace. Freedom stealers. Freedom stealers. Yeah, it's like. <laughs> Luther, always trying to do the right thing, and his big breakthrough came when God, actually he had probably read the scripture a hundred times, but one day he was reading the Bible and it was like, it's not about you, it's a gift. Live like you're loved, Martin, just live like you're loved. And for him, it was this massive aha moment. You know, you're saved by grace. It's not about what you do. It's not all about you. And somehow that the penny dropped. You know, have you ever had that experience before? You've maybe known something or you've read something or you've read the line or you just get an insight into something that you believed about yourself or about someone else. And the light bulb goes on, it's like, oh my goodness, it just changes everything. And that's what happened to Luther. He was reading the scripture and it's just like, you don't have to feel guilty. It's a gift. You don't have to do anything. God loves you, period, end of story. Give it up. (laughs) So he did and it changed his life. Felt like freedom. Felt like freedom. But like I said, you know, you might not be addicted to guilt. You might you might be addicted to other things. Like you, maybe you worry about the future and you do your worst case scenario thing. Or, you know, maybe you're stuck in the past and you're just so resentful because somebody hurt you so badly and you just cannot forgive. That's hard, isn't it? You know, and all... You know, all unforgiveness is is living in the past, really, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, maybe it's clear what it is that steals your peace. Maybe you're just way too busy and you're just frantic. You never have any time for yourself or anything. You feel like you've lost control. There's so many things that we, we can be dominated by and enslaved by, anger, melancholy, Wow, there's one that can really keep people, you know, closed up for months at a time, isn't it? 
melancholy or bitterness or people-pleasing. Oh, there's so many compulsive things, so many things. Eating, drinking, talking, oh, so many. Jesus says, I'm the one that sets you free. In other words, and this is, this is the big difference that Christ makes in our life. And I know I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here, but I'm going to say it anyway. We're not in this alone. There is a huge difference between a follower of Christ and someone who just is an atheist. And the huge difference is the atheist, well, you have to do th everything by yourself, right? I mean, it's all up to you. You've got to figure it out, work it out, and uh, make it in this world. Wow, that's hard. <laughs> that is hard. For the follower... Jesus is saying, you're absolutely not expected to do this by yourself. Let's take a look at what's going on here. Let's take a look at what's holding you back. And together, we're going to get you some freedom here. Together. You know, he has that great line, take my yoke upon you. My burden is light. It's like, let's do this arm in arm. Let's do this hand in hand. Um, you, you don't have to figure all this out by yourself. This is way too, this is way too hard. That's the wonderful, amazing thing about the Spirit of God or the energy of God coming and helping us. You know, sometimes freedom, sometimes it happens quickly. Like Luther had that aha moment. I'm sure he was bothered by guilt. I'm not saying that he wouldn't be ever, ever bothered with guilt again, but I think it lost its grip that day for him because uh, it changed his life and he couldn't stop talking about it for the rest of his life. He kept going on and on about grace, grace, grace. It's all a wonderful gift. And, uh, and he kept on talking about this freedom that he found. So sometimes it can happen quickly. Many times it's not that fast. It's, it sort of slowly comes over time. But that's really what inner transformation is about. It's about change happening. It's about becoming all that we were created to be. Us without all the baggage, right? And Jesus was always pushing for that. And he never really had time for people who claimed to be following, but were actually living out of line with following. So... You know, it's a great text that, that helps us to, to, to pause and just have a think about, well, is there anything that is stealing my freedom? You know, is there a, what is my peace stealer? What arises for you? You know, when we think about something that is stealing our peace, because that's the area that God desires to help us with. And that's what, this is what Jesus says time and time again. I can help you with that. The Spirit of God can help you with that. It can lead you into a new found freedom. We're going to do this together. So don't get discouraged. And don't think all is lost. Yeah, don't think all is lost. Maybe you have to step towards something and be brave. Maybe you have to release something. Maybe you have to stop something. Maybe you have to begin something. It's going to be different for each one of us. 
But the end result is always inner freedom, and the invitation is always the same. As Jesus is saying, there's the prayer, there's the heart cry. God, help me to receive the freedom that you have for me. Because I know that you don't want me bound up in anything. And I know that you don't want me burdened. You want me to live free. You want me to live like I'm loved. Help me. There's the prayer. There's the heart cry. Help me to live like I am truly loved. Well, thank you for joining me. You have been listening to Celtic Preacher. Join with me again next week for another episode.